Welcome to this edition of the Kids Ministry Collective Podcast, where we talk about topics and resources that help you lead more to reach more. So sit back, relax, and enjoy this edition of the Kids Ministry Collective Podcast. Welcome to another episode of the Kids Ministry Collective Podcast. My name is Tom Bump, and I'm your host. Hey, we thank you so much, and we're so appreciative of you taking time to listen help this podcast continue to grow. God continues to bless, and we're excited to bring you another episode. Let me start off by asking a few questions. Have you ever been on the wrong side of criticism or someone's critique? Have you ever been the one to give a harsh criticism or critique? Uh, And why is that such a powerful thing to us? And why does it cut us so deep? And How does it even affect us when we give those? Uh, That's what we're going to be talking about. My good friend, uh, John Tillman, wrote a really cool blog post that was very thought-provoking, quite honestly, a while back on the Ministry Accelerator website. And we started talking almost immediately about, hey, we need to do a podcast on this. And so we finally got to it. (laughs) Uh, And so, John, welcome back to the KMC. I'm really glad to have you back, man. Uh, thanks, Tom. Uh, I've been listening uh, for a while to the latest episodes. You're doing a great job. Thanks, man. I appreciate it. I do. I do. Um, you know, I've found a lot of leaders, in, including myself, we I struggled with critiques and getting critiques. And I know uh, that you know the drill on the podcast that we always ask a why question to start us off. I'm just curious, why why did you start to think about writing an article on on responding to critiques and and this kind of topic right uh well as i say in the article uh it was it was really inspired by something that happened to me a critique critique that i got and uh it was you know it was late in january beginning this year and you know i write uh not only do i write for ministry accelerator and uh, I'm a bivocational minister. I run my own ministry called the Park Forum, and I also have a secular job, <laughs> a full-time job. Uh, so, uh, you know, I'm running the Park Forum, and uh, I got an email. I often get emails back from readers. It's an email subscription devotional. And uh, so this one evening, it's kind of late in the evening, and I get this email, and usually when it's a Park Forum reader, it's usually a thank you or uh, this was really, you know, touching or whatever. Um, but this was with someone I hadn't emailed before. Uh, and she, her email was just like, Hey, you know, your devotional makes me want to kill myself. Good job. And I was like, just shocked. Like I, it was, uh, it was just stunning to me and it hurt. I mean, it hurt really bad. I was like, uh, and I, you know, and that was it. Like, it wasn't like, oh, you got this doctrinal point wrong, or it wasn't, you've left out this part of the Bible story or something like that. It wasn't a uh, substantive critique, yeah. but it was just this harsh uh, kind of, you know, it felt insulting. I, I was, I was angry. Uh, and I just felt like this person, my initial gut reaction was like, this person has just set out to hurt my feelings and congratulations, you succeeded. And I'm just tried to move on from it. I just tried to ignore it. And yeah, like, yeah. honestly, I just went and uh, like played some video games where I could just kind of just growl and be angry yeah. about it, you know? Uh, <laughs> and um, 
but the more I thought about it, I, I just couldn't let go of the idea that this person uh, had to be hurting uh, mm-hmm. pretty badly. And, and as much as I felt like, I felt like she was, this was probably just like a troll who was trying to hurt me and I didn't, and I should just ignore it was my first thought. Yeah. Uh, but then I thought like, I just couldn't stop thinking about, well, but, but what if it's not, you know, uh, what if, what if she really is struggling with something? Uh, what, uh, what if I say nothing and then I find out that this person, uh, you know, uh, really was struggling with something like this and maybe even harmed herself or something like that. So, so I decided, you know what, I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to reach out. Uh, so then I, I started emailing, uh, you know, back and forth with her. And I basically, I just said, Hey, look, I, I don't, I don't think you're being literal in what you said. Like, I don't think you're trying to hurt yourself, but I, I just wanted to offer some, some, you know, some counseling resources. And I kind of just said, you know, Hey, I, I just, I'm sorry that, you know, devotional uh, made you feel that way. It's definitely not what we want to do. I just kind of apologized and uh, sent her some, you know, uh, some resources of places to reach out to. Uh, and she like, she's like snapped back at me (laughs) uh wasn't like uh immediately like oh i'm sorry i didn't mean to whatever like she didn't yeah you know and so we we, but but we began a conversation you know so Mm -hmm. uh and you know she was still critical when she came back and just told me that she felt hopeless when she was reading what i was writing and uh so we eventually did get to some more like specific critiques of what i had done um but, uh, you know, I was just able to talk to her and say, well, that's, you know, uh, I just, I, 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 you know, she apologized. And then it ended up, once we talked about it, several emails back and forth <laughs> over and over, finally, you know, she was like, you know what, I am sorry for being insulting. Uh, and then by the end of it, she uh, resubscribed and told me like, you know what, I shouldn't have said those things. And you know, uh, you, um, you know, you, uh, you know, you reaching out to me meant a lot, made a difference to me. And she resubscribed to our ministry and she's still a subscriber today. Cool. That's so, awesome. <laughs> yeah. And I, the more I thought about that, I was like, man, like what, what would have happened if I just had done nothing? And then what really made me write it was that I felt like um, that that was a turning point and that like, I kind of almost missed it. Like I almost just like hardened my heart and said, well, yeah. just, you know, she's just a troll or a hater or whatever and pushed it away. And then I thought to myself, I was like, well, what if I had done that? And then the sort of the main thrust of the article and what I wrote was if I had done that, then the next time I got critiqued, it would be even easier to dismiss someone who critiqued me and the next time it would be even easier and the next time it would be even easier and i would just begin a process of kind of hardening my heart against critique of uh considering that others you know just don't understand enough to critique me or don't know as much as me uh and then i just saw like uh a path that that could have led um, I mean, honestly, still could. Like, it's not a one-way 
like I said, right, one time right. for all decision, but this path that could have led me to this place where I would become, you know, like one of those people who just can't hear anything bad about themselves and just thinks everybody's, you know, uh, out to get them or, uh, is you know, just not on board. Yeah. And so that's kind of why I wrote it. Cause I was like, wow, this could have <laughs> been a really bad turning point for me. Uh, and I, and I wanted people to think about that is the, the idea that like, uh, critique, even, even if it doesn't seem, uh, helpful can still, uh, guide you towards something mm, that's and good. That's probably true. still needs to be listened to. Cause even though her, her, most everything she critiqued me on, I disagreed with like what she was saying. You know, I, I didn't think I had done anything wrong or I, I didn't feel that my devotionals were written in that way that would cause hopelessness or whatever. Mm -hmm. That's exactly the opposite. But I still, because of what she said, I, you know, I was like, you know what, I'm, I'm going to change the way I approach this. Uh, I'm going to change the way I think about this. And, and as I work in the future, I'm going to think about the idea that like, I never want to write something that's uh, going to leave someone hopeless or, right. you know, have someone feel that way. Yeah. So, yeah. so it still made a difference, even though I wouldn't necessarily agree with what she said. That's interesting, you know, and and I know you do a lot of writing and 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 I and I the, the reason why I felt like this would be a great podcast, because I as leaders, we we get hit at times from unexpected places and ex unexpected ways with critiques or criticism. And and, you know, I knew that this caught you funny um, as I read your post, you know, I knew it, it caught you. And I, I was just curious why do you think it caught you like it did? Um, you know, because like you said, I, I, you even said it's not, it wasn't your first time hearing something snarky. Um, right. But what, what, what do you think it was that caught you this time about it? Yeah, that's a good, uh, that's a good question. I think there's several things, but I think the main answer, like the, the short version is that who it came from mattered. Mm -hmm. uh, and so like what I mean by that is like, like I say in the piece, I get, I get critiques from a lot of, you know, weird places I'm publishing on, you know, the internet and Twitter and Facebook and Instagram. So like, there's always like a weird, there will be a weird comment from somebody who's an atheist or, or, uh, you know, one time I wrote something that had to do with bail and I was comparing the worship of bail to like the worship of like stock market performance. Uh, and I got like a critique, I think it was on Twitter from an account that was like claimed to be an account about worshiping Baal. And I was like, um, okay, I didn't know that existed, but fine. Uh, and so, and I've been critiqued by atheists, some of whom I engaged with and talked back and forth with, and I've been critiqued by really conservative Christians and really liberal Christians, uh, you know, but those are mostly the people that are just online and not really mm -hmm. I don't really know them. And so I engage with them sometimes and not, but, but this was a critique um, uh, that uh, was coming from someone who was, you know, sort of inside my ministry, uh, someone who's a, a sub, an email subscriber. So, you know, it's not a typical church ministry. I don't uh, see myself as like a pastor to the people who are park forum subscribers. I mean, I'm not, right. I'm just, you know, writing these devotionals for them. Um, though some people do tell me that this is the only spiritual content they consume that they either are hurt by the church or can't find a church and they don't you know that's this is the only way that they receive you know spiritual input and discipleship um but i still don't consider myself a pastor of them and we strongly encourage everyone to be a part of a church 
uh, and, you know, but we're going to just minister to them where they are. Right. So, so anyway, uh, this person being an email subscriber and not just a random Twitter comment or a random Facebook comment or something like that, uh, really made a difference to how I, uh, listen to them. I consider it more of a responsibility to respond to them than just a, someone who saw a hashtag and, you know, liked what we said or didn't like what we said or whatever. Mm -hmm. So I guess like for your listeners, I think the difference is like if a random person on the street stopped you or drove up into your parking lot and started critiquing you, <laughs> your ministry, <laughs> as opposed to a parent in, in your ministry, yeah. uh, giving you a critique. Uh, and so, so, you know, it's not that those people who are outside your ministry have no right to critique you. I think they do. Uh, but their critiques just, they're just not always the most well-informed and you just have to handle them slightly differently, I think. Mm -hmm. Right. And then the other reason I listened was just kind of the level of desperation that I sensed in the critique. And I, you know, like in the piece, I kind of, I credit this to like, to the Holy spirit, not myself, you know, like I just got angry, <laughs> but uh, <laughs> the Holy spirit seemed to keep making me think about how much this person had to be hurting to say what she said. And once I started thinking about that, uh, I, I just couldn't, turn away from it. I, I just knew I needed to listen, uh, and, you know, do something. Uh, and so that's, that's what I did. That's awesome. Yeah. Cause I know, I know when a lot of leaders, especially if you're first starting out in ministry, you get that first critique. It, it seem you, you almost feel like you're never going to recover from it. Um, I remember as an, as a, as a just turned to 19 year old pastor, um, getting my first critique from somebody who made a comment uh, about what I was doing and how I was doing it. And I thought they threw a thousand knives into me. You know, it was just, it was devastating. Um, and it was very hurtful. And yeah, I, I got angry. Um, I wanted to lash out, uh, wanted to throat punch them. No, <laughs> uh, you know, permanently silence them. You know, yeah, I just, I would, it was, it was hard, but, um, like you, you know, I, I, I sensed the Holy spirit was poking at me for a reason. And, and I started to engage in that conversation. And I think for a leader, it's important to learn how to handle ourselves when critique happens. Um, and I'm curious, what did you learn from this experience? Um, you know, normally we kind of look at that application at the end, but I thought, you know what, in this conversation, mm -hmm. I kind of want to bring it to the front um, and we can build on it from here. But what did you learn from, from, you know, about yourself and about this criticism and how you handled it um, going forward? Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, first, just like, like you have, face critique in a lot of different places from, you know, friends and ministry partners in different ministries I've been a part of, there've been, uh, some more healthy cultures of critique and some slightly less healthy cultures of critique. Uh, I've also done a lot of work within our theater community and, uh, in the area. And, uh, there's a lot of healthy and unhealthy <laughs> critique in that area, uh, that I've, you know, worked with and experienced. So, uh, in in any type of critique, uh, there's definitely a time where you have to kind of let go of your emotions. So I would say the first thing for a leader to do is probably handle your emotions about it. 
um, it's very natural whenever you're facing critique to either be, you know, mad or upset or sad, depending on the type of critique it is. Okay. Right. So like you might be just like, you just might be disappointed in yourself for not doing better. Like, ah, oh, I'm, oh, I'm such mm -hmm. an idiot, you know, or whatever down on yourself about it. Uh, or you meet, might be, you might feel mad that maybe someone, you feel like they twisted your words or something like that. You might be offended if someone insulted you because I mean, often today critique is not uh, like, you know, they don't, they purposely sometimes will as a part of the critique are trying to insult you. Um, so yeah. any of those feelings hurt, depressed, anything like that. Um, I think it's wise when you face critique to take some time and deal with those feelings uh, first, however you, yes. you know, do that, let yourself feel them, acknowledge them, pray about them. Um, but what you don't want to do is to like to turn around and like throw those emotions uh, <laughs> back at the person, throw that yes. anger back at them Correct. or respond out of your own, you know, despair or snarkiness or whatever. Uh, you know, your, your knee jerk reaction is probably going to make things worse. Yes. <clears throat> so, and it doesn't matter how small uh, the critique is, you know, like emotions can creep in even even just a grammar correction, you know, can spiral you into, <laughs> into sadness or a sense of uh -huh. failure uh, if you don't handle it well. I remember in the very early days when I first was taking over writing part forum, uh, I got an email from the founder uh, about a misspelling that she had caught. And that's the only time that she ever corrected me. <laughs> and she told me that she, you know, would never do that again. But uh, because of that, like she didn't want it to be bad. Um, or to feel like she was jumping on me or whatever. But I remember thinking that and being like, oh my gosh, well, what am I doing? Why am I doing, I can't yeah. do this, you know? Uh, and, and so I think everyone deals with that. Yeah. Uh, so you have to learn to handle those emotions. Uh, and then second, I think you have to understand the critique. So uh, this, you know, take some time to analyze it, read it again. If it's an email or a text version of a critique, you know, see if there's another way to interpret it. Maybe you uh, are jumping to conclusions about it, uh, or you know, maybe they're jumping to some conclusions. Um, so when you're when you're trying to understand it, you're probably going to have to ask some questions. You might need to ask questions to someone you trust, yes. uh, and share it with them and say, "What is this? What does this mean? Do you agree with this? What do you think they're saying?" Uh, and you might have to turn around to the person and say, "You know, what does this mean?" Uh, it's a valid question to ask. Mm -hmm. I mean, I. I kind of had to ask this question to, to uh, this person I was uh, dealing with via email, but you have to kind of make sure you're not asking it with those negative emotions. Like, what do you mean by this? Uh, <laughs> it, has, yeah. it, it depends on how you phrase it. Right. Yes, uh, yes. And then third, I think you evaluate the truth of the critique. So once you understand it, then you're at a point where you can say, well, uh, <clears throat> what did they get right? You know, uh, what did I get wrong? what did what did they get wrong uh in their critique and then you kind of have to put yourself in their shoes look at it from their viewpoint try to like i don't know relive the situation see if you would or should have done something differently um and remember that it's their perception of what you did or said or whatever that that matters to them that's where their critique is coming from so if you don't understand their their angle on it yeah, their yeah. viewpoint, then you don't understand why they would say what they said. So that's, that's all a part of 
sort of understanding the critique. And then lastly, uh, if there's a response required or needed, then, you know, you respond. Um, some people don't really want a response. <laughs> you know, they just want to, uh, they just want to, you know, throw their rocks and move on. Uh, they just want to say their piece. Uh, and I would just say, that's probably okay. Like you don't have to defend yourself from every attack. Right. Right. Uh, sure. But uh, sometimes when you mess up, you do definitely need to say, Hey, I'm, I'm sorry. And then um, you don't necessarily have to say anything else. Uh, you know um, I've said this many times other places. I might've even said it on a podcast with you. I can't remember about uh, you know, sometimes when you're explaining why you've made a mistake, it can sometimes be helpful as a part of an apology, but the longer you take with your explanation, the more it seems like you're defending your mistakes yes, instead exactly. of apologizing. Yep. So it's yep. like, like if your if your explanation is longer than your apology, you're probably edging towards <laughs> defending. <laughs> yes. So uh, it's definitely it's definitely something to be careful of. And then like you don't you don't have to defend it at all or explain it at all if you say I'm sorry really sorry I did that. And you acknowledge what you did wrong. But if they ask for an explanation, then, then it's like, oh yes, let me tell you how I messed yes. up and why, you know, yes. and that, and that could be helpful. I agree with that. You know, I've, I've had several oh, conversations over the years. And I mean, with people that, you know, I mean, I consider to be friends and, and get a critique from them or have some sharp, you know, I mean, well, the, the thing is, is you also got to remember where the critique's coming from. If it's if it's a written thing by email or mm -hmm. a social media post or by text message, you know, it's those are dangerous things to try to read emotion into. And oftentimes that's where critique takes, I think, more weight than it should, because we assume more weight than it should. Mm -hmm. um, but there are times where, yeah, when you're when you're doing these kind of things or you're having a conversation like that, like you did by email or, or by a text message kind of conversation, you really do have to ask some of those. Those are great questions to ask. Um, and, and it allows you time to pause and bring the emotions down. Let your heart rate come down, let your brain relax, let your body relax and then really get into it. And then, like you said, when you have to do an apology and yeah, there may be times where, after a critique happens that boundaries have to come up or you have to, you know, step back from some of those kind of things. And it happens. But uh, when you're giving the apology, the best apologies are the shortest. Um, they're yeah. the most direct, the most simple. I'm sorry for this period. Yeah. Um, I, I learned that a long time ago that, you know, uh, a good mentor of mine just said, own your junk. Don't give it to anybody else. And, and he said, and keep that pile small, you know, don't make it a bigger mess out of, out of this, <laughs> just simply yes. say, I'm sorry. And, and, uh, I know that hurt you period. And because you, like you said, the more you go, the further down the, <laughs> the sentence pile, it just mm -hmm. becomes more junk and it, it clouds it. And then people walk away going, I don't necessarily know I was apologized to. I had that happen to me personally um, in a text message where a person came at me verbally on a text message. And it was like, I just asked a question, you know, and whoa, you know, and yeah. it got very, it felt, it felt very aggressive to me. And I, I kept trying to push the emotion out of it and just read it. 
And like you said, I read it to my wife. I read it to a friend said, am I, if you read this from me, how would you receive it? <laughs> um, and, and then I got feedback and then I figured out some things and, um, and that kind of leads me to the next question. Cause I think it's, this will be good is there's, we make a lot of mistakes when it comes to, to critiques. Um, and, and we often make those, those mistakes sometimes when we get a harsh critique or, or, uh, and, and so I'm curious, what mistakes do you feel like we make when we're on, you know, some on the harsh side of a critique, when we're receiving that, um, what do we, what's, what's some of the danger points of that? Yeah. Uh, well, I think like the first one, and maybe, maybe this is obvious is that we get defensive too <laughs> quickly. Right. So, yeah. um, we look at critique, uh, often as a slap in the face or an insult rather than, you know, ironing, sharpening iron or spurring one another on towards love and good deeds. We all like those <laughs> verses, but we don't like the reality of them sometimes. Yeah. Right. Uh, but even if it was a slap in the face, kind of a critique, like a harsh critique that was harsher than it should have been. Uh, I mean, Jesus still tells us to turn the other cheek to that. Uh, and I think his instruction, I mean, that instruction is not just about anti-violence, you know, like it's right. not just about uh, literal physical attacks. The slap that he was talking about is more of an insult than a, than a physical attack. It's more of a, you know, it was a way like when Jesus was slapped at his trial, it was a way of him being put in his place more than a, an attack. Uh, he certainly was attacked, obviously <laughs> he was be beaten and crucified, uh, but it was more of a, you're out of place it was a shaming rather than a yeah uh than a than a punching and then you see it again you see it with micaiah micaiah when he's uh speaking to uh king ahab uh and there's a false prophet who you know micaiah's like this guy's a false prophet he's telling you that you're going to succeed but you're going to die and <laughs> the other prophet comes over and like slaps him uh and it's that kind of uh you know critiquing in both situations you know they just they just stick to what they said and they move on, you know? <laughs> so, but when we face, uh, and, you know, and Christ says, turn the other cheek. So, yeah. uh, I've seen, and you know, you've probably seen or heard in large ministries, how an attitude of pride can grow from the simple idea that critics are just haters. Right. right. Yes. So, uh, and this is, you know, maybe this is just from my own experience. Uh, but to me, and this is personal that that phrase haters is a red flag. So like, uh, if you use the term haters to describe critics, I, I kind of question that I, I, I would say, I would caution you or your, your mm -hmm. church or your organization or your pastor or whoever it is that's using that phrase will caution them, uh, to check their heart. Uh, you know, that's, that's Pharaoh type language. You know, we watch yeah. Pharaoh's heart get hardened. And uh, if you read that really carefully, you know, sometimes Pharaoh is hardening his heart. And then sometimes it says God is hardening his heart. And, you know, the language of hardening hearts is really important. And when we harden our hearts and harden our hearts and harden our hearts, eventually God's just going to say, okay, you know, and he's going to let us go. Right, and right. Uh, so, like I said, this is a, that's a red flag phrase to me. Uh, it doesn't automatically mean that you're, you know, super prideful and blah. it doesn't automatically mean that a red flag doesn't mean you're automatically bad. It means you right. need to check. Right. Yes. Yeah. Uh, and I'd say as a whole, many leading Christian pastors have not modeled this well. Um, it seems like when people are critiqued, 
criticized, they race to dismiss, uh, and in some cases attempt to destroy anyone who criticizes them. We, you know, you can just just go look at Christian Twitter, you know, uh, <laughs> and um, right. we hear of extreme versions of this in podcasts like, you know, Rise and Fall of Mars Hill or something like that. But you don't have to be that big to be that prideful and you don't have to be leading groups that huge to cause huge amounts of harm. Right. When you make a habit of labeling critics as haters, if you're a leader, your followers are going to do the same to their critics in their circles, you know, whether they're work, whether they're serving in a business or serving on the school board or serving wherever they are. If you as the pastor are just calling your critics haters and dismissing them, they're going to do the same thing. Yes, and it yes. just spreads. And like our whole culture is like that right now. Right. It is. So, you know, we see these big famous examples of hard hardness and pride. We might wonder how did they get that way? And I think what this experience kind of showed me is the way they get there is little by little, you know, ignoring ordinary critiques, uh, discounting those who do disagree with them and just hardening their hearts. Uh, so, so what should we do when we get a hard critique, harsh critique? We should probably uh, say it's kind of jokingly ask for another, uh, you know, like hit me again. Uh, tell me more about what I've done wrong. Uh, I want to understand it yeah, better. Help me understand. Right. <laughs> Yeah. And, uh, and then I'll do one more little caution there. Like it, it's possible to, for that phrase, even to be misused, like help me understand why right. this is wrong. Right. You can, that is sometimes used as a deflection tactic or just like by someone who's just playing dumb to right. pretend that yeah. they don't know what they did was wrong. So we just have to be honest, uh, about those things. Um, and just acknowledge that, um, that critique doesn't have to be kind to contain truth. Right. You know, we just can't demand kindness from all our critics and expect them to always word things in, you know, perfect little ways that don't offend us or hurt our feelings. Um, you know, just because they don't speak kindly and just because maybe their language isn't skillful or academic, it doesn't mean that we can just disregard them and ignore the fact that God may be trying to get our attention by the harshness of their language or the offense that they feel towards us. Uh, God describes himself as offended and hurt and angered by the wrongs his people have done. And if you read some of the things God says towards his people, they're pretty offensive. Uh, and the people definitely were offended by the words that the prophets said to them. Um, and the prophets did some things that were pretty disgusting, <laughs> uh, and, and offensive. So, you know, we can't ever say, I, I think it's very unwise for us to say, well, God can't be speaking to me through that person or in that way. Yeah, I think yeah. when we do that, we're putting ourselves in real spiritual danger. If we're only going to listen to critique that is well-mannered and we're only going to listen to critique that uses language that we like and approve of, uh, and it doesn't hurt our feelings or make us uncomfortable. Yeah. A wise old pastor told me once that always look for the nugget of truth in inside, you know, Right. And uh, it, it, there's always going to be one somewhere. And uh, whether you like it or how they deliver it or not, there's there's always something there that we can that we can learn from and grow from. So, um, yeah, even critique from some people that, you know, I mean, I respect or I don't respect, you know, you always try to find those kind of things. I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm curious, what, what are some of the lessons you've learned on giving critiques? Because. Mm -hmm. Obviously, it's not always, you know, sometimes as leaders, we have to give out critique. 
um, we have to, we have to, you know, we're commanded to speak the truth in love, which is right. not just warm, pithy sayings. It's supposed to be, you know, I mean, and, and when, yeah, I mean, I hate it when that verse iron sharpening iron is misused because when you sharpen a blade, it has to rub across something. Mm -hmm. Um, and it has to be done. I mean, rubbing the wrong way could be detrimental. Um, but rubbing the right way does bring sharpness, but it's still grinding off something mm -hmm. that shouldn't be there, um, yeah. a dullness. And, and so we, we often forget that's what that really means is that we're not just there to be yes men for each other. You know, we're, we're right. there to really push each other forward and grow. And so I'm curious, what are some of the things you've learned to do that in an effective way that really does bring about some growth hopefully for that person that you're giving the critique to mm, yeah uh well i mean again this may sound just too simple but do unto others as you would have them do unto you uh <laughs> you know we i do feel that like we should accept and consider any critique no matter how harsh it might be when it comes into us um uh, but you know we've spent i mean we spent the majority of our time talking about that uh but what when it comes time for us to give critique, I think we should give what we would want to get, you know, mm, we should good. be as kind as it is possible to be, you know, we should be clear about what is wrong and we should consider, <clears throat> um, you know, people's good intentions, uh, but without ignoring the wrongs that they may have done just because their intentions were good, you know, so we just have to uh, critique with, a love that has the intention to better someone and not destroy someone. That's good. Um, so, and, you know, we got to start by assuming the best of people, you know, mm -hmm. and kind of informing them of where, uh, you know, where this is failing or where this is not working and get, and include within our critique uh, an opportunity to respond, uh, some steps to change. Um, there was a phrase that I, I, yeah, that I came up with in ministry, but I just, I didn't like, and I don't think it's a, a good phrase overall. And it would say, if you don't, um, and it was like, don't critique something. If you don't have like an idea for a solution, mm -hmm. if you don't know how to make it better, don't call us out for doing something wrong. And, uh, and at, on the surface, that sounds like a good idea. It's like, Oh yeah, be positive. And I'm like, no, sometimes you got to call stuff out even when you have no idea how to fix it right like you said <laughs> uh so uh you know but when you do uh critique someone and give them a, if you're able to i think you should include an opportunity to respond in some ways to change but that's not like you don't have to do that or well i can't say anything yeah um and then uh you know i'll just pl i'll plug another ministry that uh it's not my ministry it's just one that our church is using uh this called um it's called alpha and uh our church has started using it we've done multiple sessions of alpha it's like this you know 10 week or so meeting and like its whole purpose is to uh is to allow non-christians or sort of borderline christians or maybe christians who are deconstructing or whatever uh to come into a group setting here uh, a message about a big question of faith, you know, like, is there a God? What do we do with evil? Who is Jesus? What is about, what is the Bible? Uh, and then give their opinions about it. 
like when you're a group leader in, in those ministries, uh, your purpose is not to lecture them and tell them, tell them all your answers. Your purpose is to say, to get them to talk to each other, get the atheist to talk to, uh, you know, the other, you know, the person who's a nominal believer, get the, uh, get the agnostic to engage with the atheist, get them to talk to each other and get them mm -hmm. to tell their critiques of what the video was you know the video talks about who jesus is and get them to say well i don't believe that uh well that's that's wrong that's completely made up uh and then and then engage in conversation about them about about those issues yeah. so that they get to say what they believe we get to say what we believe and uh and maintaining that space in a in a respectful way uh, is incredibly fruitful. Uh, and yes. our church has seen multiple uh, people saved through this ministry uh, and people who come back time after time, even if they, even if they don't embrace Christianity or haven't, you know, come to faith. Uh, we've had multiple people who will just come back time and again, because they enjoy the conversation. They do think these issues are, are, uh, are important enough to discuss. And they, and they feel that this community that they're a part of in these groups is, uh, is helpful to them. And, you know, by faith, we believe that God will draw them to himself. Yeah. You know, so it's a pretty cool, uh, thing that I've been able to be a part of in our church. Um, and that type of atmosphere that allows critique yes. is not something that means that you don't have to, that you have to let go of the truth or that you have to, uh, you know, abandon your principles or what you believe or anything like that. That's good. You know, and I'm glad you said it that way, because I think sometimes we're afraid that we have to let go of some of that and, and we don't. And, and, and I think we as leaders have to learn, you know, if we're going to help people become better followers of Christ, if we're going to help like be better small group leaders for our kids ministries, mm -hmm. we have to learn to give critique. We have to learn to speak the truth and help people. And there's lots of ways to say things. Um, I'm thankful for my upbringing with, with child evangelism fellowship. Um, as a CEF director, we learned, we actually, they, one of the things they trained us in was giving critique with, so that we could critique people without making them feel like they've been critiqued. Um, <laughs> and so like when I'm coaching somebody, in one of my programs and, and we're talking about, you know, one of the things I help them do is to say, Hey, you know, when you're, when you've got somebody new on stage, leading the Bible lesson for the first time, you know, here's some things and here's ways you could critique and say the critique to them so that you strengthen them as, as a leader and not rip them up where they feel like they've, you know, so I remember the first time I was working with some teenagers doing this and I had a student who uh, I was coaching and they presented the Bible lesson and it was, it was bad. It, it, they, they had not, I don't know if they just hadn't practiced enough or they didn't know their outline well enough or what it was, but I could see it in their eyes that they were feeling it too. They were feeling like, oh, that wasn't good. And, and then when they sat down and I had my evaluation sheet that I had to fill out for them. <laughs> And I could see them brace themselves physically. I could see them just kind of, you know, tighten up. And I went, Hey, you know what? I love having your heart, how it came out of that lesson and how you began to, to speak from your heart. And I could see this look like, 
Okay. I wasn't expecting that one. Okay. So here mm-hmm. comes, you know, cause you always hear these people go, well, do two nice things and then drop the hammer. Well, right. I don't ever want somebody to feel like that when I'm doing a critique of them, or if I'm sharing something that I disagree with how they're doing it. Um, and so honestly, I went through my critiques and it was stuff like, you know what, you could strengthen your presentation if you would, would, you know, hold your Bible down more so you can make eye contact and you would strengthen your presentation if, if you, you know, didn't pace quite as much, but you narrowed down your space a little bit. You could, mm-hmm. you could connect with your group if you would get down more on eye level with them. You know, I mean, it was just, it was just inserting those little things of instead of saying, Hey, you know what? You never looked at the kids and they're going to get bored because they don't think you're even talking to them. You got to make eye contact, man. Mm-hmm. I didn't say it like that at all. And it's, it's funny how, when we learn to give critique um, and if we speak it, and I think what you keyed in on too, that I caught was relationship um, that relationship and putting a person as the image bearer of God first and having that in our heart and in our mind, as we deliver things that that's, you know, that's a powerful thing. Um, where do you see, what do you, what, I think this would be a good way to start moving towards the wrap up of this episode, but where, what do you see as in scripture that talks about giving and receiving critiques? Um, and how does that play out for us? Hmm. Uh, I mean, I definitely feel like uh, you see, um, you see God working with humans all the way through the bible right if you look big picture the whole scope of the bible right we start with uh humans in the garden of eden he's trying to get them to live out his purposes they fail he uh works with them he gives them clothing he gives them uh he he continues to bless them regardless of how bad things are going you know all the way through and you do get i mean of course you get judgments and you get corrections and you get uh, you know, things that happen, but you see God leading them that way. And, you know, he always reveals himself as uh, being merciful and compassionate. His mercies never end. Uh, and so I think uh, modeling our critique after, after God and his idea of like, you know, it says that he leads us with cords of loving kindness, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, so, so we want to, uh, lead people in that way we want to give them a yoke that is not a burden to bear we want to uh you know uh jesus criticized the pharisees for their leadership and their critique of the people he said that they tied up heavy burdens in people's shoulders but wouldn't lift a finger to help them lift them so uh and and the pharisees were mostly good good people we would call them good people they would probably be they would be our ministry buddies you know <laughs> uh, they were they were religious they were moral they believed in the 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 uh importance of the bible they believed in the authority of scripture uh they knew the scripture better than anybody else so you know those were good they were good people wanting to give good critique but they were doing it in a way that didn't help people right they were right. doing it in a way that instead of making the scriptures a life-giving thing that is going to empower people and raise them up, they were giving it to them in a way that weighed them down yes. and, and, uh, and made it oppressive rather than, uh, than, you know, something that saved them and lifted them. Yeah. 
So I think that's the kind of the way we got to look at our critique. Um, And, you know, it doesn't mean that all of our words always have to be sweet and kind all (laughs) the time. And we can never raise our voice uh, or that we can never be harsh. Uh, If you look at the things that John the Baptist said and Jesus said, and the prophet said, some of those things were pretty harsh. Um, Doesn't mean we can never use sarcasm. It doesn't mean we can never you know, uh, do those types of things. You know, Jesus called Herod, you know, uh, that Fox. Uh, you yeah. know? So, uh, but you got to look at that. What's the relationship there? He doesn't know him. He doesn't know Herod. He hasn't right. met Herod. Uh, so he's engaging in with the people that were there. He's engaging with Herod's followers, you know, yeah. the Herodians. He's engaging with the Herod's political allies and saying, you don't need to pay attention to that guy. So it's different uh, when we when we offer critique in those ways. And then I think there are also times when it's like it's okay for maybe Jesus to do something. It's not okay for us to do it. So, yeah. And I and I my number one example, I look to that in the Bible is the cleansing of the temple. Okay, so if you look at the cleansing, lots of people talk about the cleansing of the temple is like their excuse for how they like just go after pastors or go after (laughs) other churches and temple cleansed out and whatever Uh, and i it's not that i disagree i have those exact same feelings about certain groups and certain pastors or whatever uh but i always have to remind myself that um jesus was the one who cleaned out the temple okay and uh some some commenters think that he might have done it every time he went to jerusalem because the two different accounts are different enough that they might have happened at different times Uh, Or it might just be the different way of the, you know, the gospel writers telling the story. Um, So it might have even been like a regular thing that he went up there (laughs) and he cleansed those people out every single time, maybe. I don't know. Uh, But and then he says to his disciples, uh, you will do greater things than I have done. And then he sends his disciples out after his resurrection to go and do all the things that he did. But I think it's pretty notable to me that the disciples never replicated that. Mm. they never walked up into the temple and started kicking out the merchants or doing anything like that. They never took that stance. Uh, They they did everything else Jesus did and more. They healed lepers. They healed blind people. They healed, they raised the dead. They did everything that Jesus did and more, Uh, but they never did that. And I think that's, you know, it's one of those places where it's like, I can't say authoritatively that that's like whatever, but like for me, I think that's significant. I think that's significant, uh, that there's a place for Jesus to take care of certain things. That's not ours to, to touch. Yeah. Uh, and they certainly critiqued the temple. They certainly taught there and taught their, you know, they taught the gospel in the temple and they were arrested and they were, you know, opposing the things that were there, but they did not uh, make a whip <laughs> like Jesus right. did. Right. Uh, they did not uh, kick over tables like Jesus did. Uh, those were things that they felt apparently were outside of what Jesus asked them to do. And so I think in our critiques, we have to leave room for and, and figure out what does that mean to us? What's the right. temple that I'm not supposed to be kicking over tables in and I need to be careful uh, not to, not to do that. That's good. That's good. Yeah. I think, 
when it comes to critique inside the church, we need to, we need to really uh, do a better job on both sides, giving and receiving. Mm -hmm. And we need to do a better job of, of you're right. Stepping into the things that, that the spirit wants us to step into and stepping out of those areas where he's not. Um, and we have to pay attention to that. And, and I think, you know, for those listening, you know, when you, when you're on the end of, of receiving things, my, um, I guess my last little admonition to you is, is again, you know, some of it is considering the source. Um, you know, there are certain people, I think you even said this a little bit about there's certain people that have that right to speak to you. Um, you kind of talked about that in the beginning and then there's others where it's like, you know what, I, I'm not going to wait this as much. Um, you know, and there are certain people in my world that are very close to me. And if, you know, if, if you came to me and, uh, you know, you're one of my closer friends, if you came to me and said, man, Tom, I got to tell you, boom, you know, I would receive that from somebody like you, because you're, you're somebody that has spent time and invested in me and, and I trust and I, but I've, there's other people that are around me that it's like, yeah, you know, you, you're just not in my, that inner circle part, you know, and I'm mm -hmm. not, I'm just not going to wait your criticism mm -hmm. of what I'm doing or how I'm doing it or, or your input into what I'm doing is, is not going to carry that weight. Um, and I hope that for some leaders that frees you up to, to realize mm -hmm. that not everybody's criticism or critique weighs the same. Um, but always look for that truth. Always look for that that thing that you can take and grow from yeah. and, and, and sharpen from. Um, but I think this was a really good, uh, thanks for being vulnerable enough to share, you know, um, how it got you, you know, that, that, that first email, you know, in that exchange, mm -hmm. but what a great story to know that, that it, it did gain a follower, somebody that, you know, not that you're, you're not looking for followers. I know that about you, <laughs> you know what I mean? A subscriber. Yeah. There we go. Um, right. somebody that is interested in growing and learning more and you didn't lose them. And, right. and I think in the church world, if we do this right, we don't lose somebody. We gain mm -hmm. them. We gain their trust. We, we gain more right to speak into their life. And that's yeah. ultimately our goal is to draw people closer, um, to help them walk with Christ in a close way. So yeah, definitely. And like what you just said, it made me think of like, there's so much, um, there's a lot of people who want to like uh, push back in anger at people who are deconstructing or something like that um, in the church today and like push sort of a aggressive stance against them um, right now and critique them for critiquing the church. And I kind of want to say, you know what, you need to listen to them, you know? Uh, we need to, we need to listen to them. We need to make sure that they feel that we are respecting them and that we see the problems that they're pointing out and, you know, not deny the truth. Yeah. Uh, you know, we don't have to, if they're saying something that's not true about the church, well, of course we don't have to believe that. Uh, but when they say things that are true, we need to definitely, you know, just respect them, listen to them. And I can tell you from our alpha ministry that that goes a huge distance right. to uh, allowing them, you know, like this person, she was, she unsubscribed, you know, yeah. <laughs> uh, but because I listened to her, because I engaged with her, uh, she uh, resubscribed. So 
you know, there may be deconstructing people in your uh, circle, in your church, your, uh, you, you may have uh, young volunteers who are going off to college, who are maybe going to see deconstruction in their future, and they may reach out to you. Uh, and you have to think about how am I going to get them to resubscribe? Yes, you know, that's good. Uh, and you got to offer them that respect and that conversation and that uh, you know, that loving kindness to allow them to be upset, <laughs> uh, <laughs> yes. and then, and then help them, help them in any way you can. That's good. That's good. Well, John, um, how can people, uh, find more of your writings? Tell them again, one more time. I'm going to put links in the show notes, um, Super. to this stuff, yeah. but, uh, well, I still write every once in a while for ministry accelerator. That's at ministry um, and, uh, that's where the article in question that we we're talking about today can be found. Uh, it's called, uh, what is it called? Responding uh, to the critique. Yeah. Responding to critique. So you can find that there. Uh, but I, uh, my main ministry that I run is called the park forum and you can find it at the parkforum.org. And of course we're on, uh, you know, Facebook and Instagram and Twitter. Uh, and we, publish uh monday through friday 400 word devotionals they're really short we follow a two-year uh reading plan that reads through the new testament every year and the psalms every year and we split the old testament up over two years so it's a sustainable pace and we just believe that um that biblical literacy is so important and reading a whole bible plan at a pace that allows you time to reflect on it and consider it uh, is so important. And, you know, even if you don't subscribe to us and read our, our plan, I hope that you subscribe to uh, a whole Bible plan somewhere on the Bible app or wherever it is so that, you know, the, this literature, the Bible is meant to be read over and over and over. It's meant to be read reflectively. The more you read it, the more you recognize similarities. Um, I didn't even like only this year, did I realize that, uh, Micaiah and Jesus have this unique moment that's very similar in their lives where they each get slapped when they're uh before Uh, an authority figure so you know these are the types of things that the more you read the bible and you read it reflectively and you read it meditatively uh the greater it seeks seeks sinks into your life yes uh and that you'll be able to draw out greater things for your kids and for your ministry that's awesome well, my brother, thanks for carving out some time for me uh, and and doing this podcast, and I appreciate it. And again, if there's anything we can do for you, uh, thank you for listening, my friends. Uh, again, kmccoach.net, if you need some coaching, you need some help handling some of this kind of stuff, uh, or maybe you've been wounded and you've been hurt um, and you need somewhere to process, well, restoringleaders.org is there for you as a safe, confidential place to help you uh, live restored and lead renewed. So whatever we can do to help, we are here for you. So again, thanks for listening to this episode of the Kid Ministry Collective Podcast and join me again for another episode real soon. Thanks for listening to this edition of the Kids Ministry Collective Podcast. We hope that it's helped and encouraged you. If you would, support our podcast by continuing to share it with other leaders. And if you haven't already, hey, please subscribe and leave us a review wherever you listen to this podcast. 
We look forward to hearing from you how this podcast has helped and sharpened your skills and ministries. So let us know on your Facebook page or head over to kmccoach.net and share with us there. And thanks again for listening to the Kid Ministry Collective Podcast.